Well, good evening, good evening. My name is Duke Bendix. I'm on staff here at Grace Covenant Church, have been for a season of time. What does it say in Daniel? A season, a season, and half a season. That's <laughs> about the time I've been here. But I uh, have known Pastor Brett since early 1990s, met him, and uh, started working here with Grace Covenant Church in 1996, 97, and have been here. So one of the reasons Pastor Jim sometimes kids me about being old is I'm old. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to... Uh, Last week, we started a new series called Finding Jesus. Pastor Jim Critcher initiated that or opened that series up, asking the question, is Jesus easy to find? And he gave a whole list and addressed a number of reasons why Jesus may not be easy to find in your life, may not be easy for you to find him. He talked about everything from uh, the, the veil the enemy puts over our eyes, the deception that's in the world, uh, the perception we have, the expectations we have. He just went through a number of different things that make it hard for us to find Jesus and for people to find Jesus in our lives. So what we're going to be looking at really between now and Resurrection Sunday uh, mid to late April, is this whole question of finding Jesus. Uh, I also want to make sure that we, I put in a plug for the prophetic gathering. I, I don't know if you've sensed or may be aware of this. I would, I would encourage you to begin to attune yourself to it. But God is wanting to intersect our lives. He's wanting to do things that take us into a greater appreciation, a greater realization, a greater experience of him. And, and the thing that we want to be is looking for the kinds and pro providing the kinds of opportunities for God to do that in our lives. The prophetic gathering this year, 29th and 30th of March, is, is on divine encounters. And it's, it's just positioning our lives in a way that allows God to encounter us. And not just in a moment, but to be positioned in a way that he has access to encounter our lives in an ongoing way. So having said all of that, I want to introduce the topic tonight that I'm, I've, I've got a great deal that I want to try to... Uh, get through here this evening, and I think it's very important. The subject that I'm looking at tonight, or the title of my message, is Finding Jesus, Finding the Father. Uh, my, my scriptures, I, I just want to reference these as kind of setting up my, my uh, in teaching and, and ministry tonight, come from John, the first chapter, a couple of verses there, and John 14, and I'll just read them here. John 1, 14 and then 16 through 18 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. John 14, verse 7 and through 11, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. 
How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. It's very clear in Scripture that Jesus Christ came in no small part, maybe one of the most significant aspects of his, of his ministry was to reveal the Father. Now, we don't often touch on this. We tend to focus on Jesus. We tend to focus on the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of neat to have an opportunity tonight to look at the Father. Jesus came to make the Father known. These passages in John show us Christ's relationship with the Father. It's very clear. Theologically, John 1, those great first few verses, the Word was in the beginning with God and the Word was God. You have this, this incredible concept of something that is totally God doing things only God can do, and the label that he bears is the label, the Word of God. And about 14 verses later, John writes that the Word became flesh. Jesus came into the world as a man. He was both the Son of God and the Son of Man. You read the Gospels, you'll hear him called both of those things. He did so revealing the Father. God was making him know, excuse me, revealing the Father, God making God the Father known in terms and by means that we as human beings, as creatures, could understand. Philip was looking for a very human response. I'm, ga I'm guessing that Philip probably had Isaiah 6 in his mind when he said, show us the Father. He was looking to see God with his natural eyes. He was looking to have a theophany like that which Isaiah had when he went into the temple to pray, and there was this incredible uh, uh, reality of God's presence that literally caused the man to become undone down in his soul, convicted deeply with sin. He saw God in ways that very few, up until the time Jesus walked this earth, had ever seen God. So Philip is saying, show us God. Pull back the veil, Jesus. Show us the Father, and it'll, that's all we need. And Jesus is saying, wait, wait a minute. I've been walking with you. For three years, I've been testifying to you of the Father being in me and the Father working with me and the Father working through me and that I and the Father are one and you don't get that. This is part of what Pastor Jim addressed. Like he, it was hard to find Jesus. So what, I, what Jesus wants us to take away, what he wants us to have a revelation of that, that the Father is someone we need to see and to know, but as Jesus always did, he, he shared that, he opened that up to eyes and ears of faith. Not to natural eyes and ears. He opens these things up to us when we approach him 
with faith. Philip's request is all of ours. We want to see. We would love it if Jesus, I think we would. We might regret the, the, the moment it happened. We may be in, we're in serious trouble. Because that's exactly what Isaiah experienced. But Christ, as in all aspects of his ministry, manifested God to the eyes and ears of faith. Tonight, please listen to my next 20 minutes, 25 minutes or so. Please listen to God's word with faith for spiritual understanding and revelation. Would you join me in prayer? Lord God, I'm asking you, as we sang and, and affirmed the presence of the Holy Spirit, I'm asking for a spirit of revelation and understanding to meet us tonight. Lord God, I'm praying that you would help us who are gathered here and those who hear this message to see the Father in ways we've never seen him before. Meet us, Lord, I pray. Amen. So why is this so important? Why is this so central? Why is it important, do you think, that we know and relate to God as our Father? It, it, I think, well, let me just read some thoughts that have, as I was asking myself this question, because I, I, was, I was thinking, you know, I could just dive into the, to the theological dimensions of this and have my, I could splash around in that for a long time and have a good time. But I, I felt like the Lord just really stepped back, had me step back and said, why is this so important, do you think? And I think in our society today, it's critical because of where we've come to as both a society and as a culture. The breakdown of the family, the reality of absentee fathers, of children abandoned by their dads. Too often it may be a lack of understanding or training, a lack of role models, but men simply aren't aren't brave enough in some respects, aren't daring enough to just step in, roll up their sleeves and learn how to be a dad. And so, and many, uh, many, because of the of the of the morale, the moral uh, baseness of where we have come to as a society, we're seeing even the institution of marriage, a God-given design in the very fabric of creation, is being casually thrown aside. Fifty percent of all children born today, I believe, is the statistic, or very nearly that, are born to un unwed people. This kind of thing, I mean, statistically, this thing leads, it, it, that's the best way to ensure that a child's going to grow up in poverty. But what makes it so tragic is that, that in the process of it all, we've lost a view and an understanding of what it is to be a father. And as Christians, Jesus was, was offering 2,000 years ago not only the fix for where we are today, but the, the, the answer to what is, is arguably one of the deepest needs we all have. And that is to be fathered. Amen. Men and women. These realities more than maybe ever before make it critical that we get what Jesus was making known to us of the Father. Salvation, family, is more than moral redemption. It's more than being forgiven and going to heaven. Salvation begins 
begins with God buying us out of slavery to sin through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and reconciling us with God, closing the relational gap between us and our Creator. Paul describes this as justification that brings about adoption. We are legally made, as believers, the children of God. Moral redemption... Delivering us from this consequence of sin opens the way to restoration of relationship with God as our creator father. You want the salvation that God offers us is a reintroduction and a reintroduction, what's the word? A reintroduction and a reinitiation into the relationship of the very one who created us. And who intends to be our father. And Jesus came showing us this. So what is a father? Very general description. And I qualify it right from the start. I put it in my notes here. Note. I understand the following are done in cooperation with mothers. (laughs) My point here is though. Is that the things I'm about to list are intended to be the, the identify key responsibilities of the father, of what a father does. First of all, he generates life. While a child is physically born and birthed by the mother, it is the father that initiates that life. He provides the, phys, the physical necessities of life. I'm just talking fundamental components, elements, of what fatherhood, of what makes, fa- makes up fatherhood. Again, a mom provides the sustenance initially for the child, but the sustenance that is intended, that in sustenance is intended to be secured by the father. The mom needs somebody to provide for her while she's providing for the child. A father protects. A father has a responsibility to form and shape the child. His is the primary responsibility in discipline, instruction, impartation, and direction. Clearly, again, I got it. Mom has a role in that. Proverbs goes as far as to recognize the instruction that Solomon received from his mother. Please don't hear me disparaging motherhood. The the thing we've come to in our society is there's been such an an affirmation of, of that which is of feminine and that which is maternal and, and these kinds of things that we've really lost sight of, what does it mean to be a father? And the, the crazy thing of it is, is the need for what a father is, is written down in the very spiritual and physical DNA of our makeup. A father is to give purpose, it's to create opportunity, and doing so gives meaning and identity. Now, there was a time when the father passed on the family farm. There was a time when a father had a trade and he raised his children up to be part of that trade. That, that's very rare in, in, in the United States today. But there's something in the motivation of a father that looks at what he does as having purpose in life and he examples that and he imparts that to his children. 
And in doing so, he gives them meaning. He gives meaning because he has meaning. He, he's able to facilitate them growing up at, with an identity because he is a man who has an identity. And one of the things that shapes his identity and informs it is he is a father. You guys are really quiet. I think this is registering here but I, because this is just something we don't hear very often about and yet you look through the Gospels and over and over and over and over and over again, Jesus is talking about the Father. And I think the last thing that a father does and this isn't oftentimes recognized is the Father is intent to bless to recognize and to speak approval and affirmation of what that child is as his child. Blessing. You see it in the Old Testament. Isaac blessing his sons. You with me? Jacob blessing Joseph's sons. Getting a hand wrong. Putting a blessing on these guys, these people, these children. Biblically, these are the characteristics of fatherhood. Together, these are understood as the love of a father. These, com the com compilation of these things that I've just mentioned. And yes, here again, we recognize that many of these things, and they're best done in cooperation with a good, solid marriage relationship where mom and dad are working together and they're working off the same page. But a father brings something to that process that is intended to write something in the hearts of his children. Yes, there is affection, warmth, compassion in it coming from the father, sensitivity. But these are reflections of a father's love, not the essence of it. Too often, some or all of these, except for generation, procreating the life, some or all of these other characteristics, these other components of fatherhood uh, are missing in the lives of many, many people. The need for the revelation of the father is vital because it addresses one of the deepest needs and dysfunctions in our society. We are hardwired to need all of these things. We are disfigured in our souls when these are not made known in our hearts. It is because of that, it is because that fathers abandon their children, that fathers are absent without leave. Even as Christian fathers, we miss the mark with our children. Aren't you so glad, dads, that beneath it all are the everlasting arms of a father? This is the one that Jesus was saying that he wants us to know and to walk in relationship with. Fortunately, the salvation of Christ is ministered into our lives through the revelation of God as our Father. In no small way, this is at the heart of the good news that we hear and receive through faith in Jesus Christ, is that we have a Father who wants to be and has intended to be all along all of those elements I listed. And I'm going to review the elements now by giving you probably the simplest, clearest, 
evidence of this found in scripture and it is in the account of the our father the lord's prayer matthew 6 verses 9 through 12 the father is no more clearly revealed in scripture than in this prayer it begins our father in heaven our father in heaven the Father, now Jesus was praying this, remember, as both man, son of man, and son of God. He was identifying with our needs as humans and praying a prayer, giving us a, a, an outline of prayer that would allow us to turn to God as in, in, in our need for what we need as human beings. But Jesus was also praying as the son of God. And, and that's what I want to key off here for just a moment. He was saying, our Father, our Father, me, the Son of God, and these, the children of God. Not just human beings praying in their need, but we together, spiritually alive, and I'll get to that in a moment, our Father. Our Father. The Father has generated life in us. Remember I said that was the first element of what a father was. He generates life. Uh, that Jesus affirms that we have, through faith in him, the life that he has from the Father. His Father is our Father. Faith in Christ taps us into the same source of life that Jesus was drawing from. We're not getting, we're not getting second-hand hand-me-down life. Let me track with me here. Hebrews 2.11 says, For the, the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, God sanctifies or sets apart, and those of us who are being set apart are all have one source. One source of life. John 1.12. I love John 1.12 and 13. If you ever just, just make note of it, go back, ponder this. John 12 says, 1.12 says this. To all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Goes on verse 13. Who were born not of the will of man, but of God. Faith in Christ makes a pathway for new birth, for us to become God's own children, born of the same life that Jesus lives from. John 1.13, we were born not of the will of man, but of God. We were chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. You and I were chosen in Jesus Christ from before the foundation of the earth to come to a point where one day we would come to faith, we would come to believe in Jesus Christ, and we would be made alive unto God our Father with the life of our Father. That's what it is to be a Christian. That's what we are called to live in and experience. It isn't just something we hold to by faith. This is to be, it's kind of become a popular word here since politically, but it's to be an existential reality. 
It is to be something we're to experience and to know down in the depths of our soul. And to live from and draw from and be defined by. Our identity, our assurance of personal worth, our confidence is rooted in the fact that God the Father has generated his life in us. Our Father who art in heaven, blessed is your holy name. Your name is holy. Having such a Father, we are to live before him in reverence and godly fear, both worshipful and submissive. Holiness is the nature and character we are to be conformed to. You want to be like Dad? I want to be like Dad when I grow up. You want to be like Dad when you grow up? Holiness is his nature. Consecration unto him is the very nature of what he is and what what informs what he does. Holiness is the nature and character we are to be conformed to. Peter said it simply, you be holy as he is holy. In doing so, we identify with the Father as his offspring. Our nature is grounded upon his holy nature. In other words, we come to the place over and over and over again where we recognize, God, my nature, my, my desires. Kathy and I were talking about it driving in here tonight. There was a teacher years ago by the name of Bob Mumford. He said, you know what we all need is we need our wanters changed. What we want is oftentimes it's not that it's opposed to what's holy. Our want, though, is for something other than the God who is giving us life. We want our water, wanters to be changed to want more of him. Not to default to the things that we normally, casually, comfortably, not wrongly. I'm not saying people default to bad things, but we just default to our own thing. And that's what we want. And and one of the reasons my wife and I do Lent every year is because for about 40 days, I realize I really miss some of the dumb, lazy things I do. And, and again, they're not wrong. I miss some of the, I miss being able to call the shots in the way I like to call the shots. I can't do certain things when I'm fasting. And, it, and, it's, and it's moving me and I'm praying, God, move me to a place where it changes my wanter, where there's something of your holy nature that begins to inform and shape my nature. That I begin to build my life on that. The new nature within us not only recognizes Father in worship, but embraces and conforms to him. Our character is formed. Remember, that was one of the things dads do. They form their children. They shape their character. They shape their motives. They get them to learn self-control. They work. Now, are moms in there? Yes. Yes. But I would be willing to bet there are too many moms that feel Jeez, I wish there was a dad who would take the the weight of this responsibility and let me support him in this and father a father who would wake up to the fact that this is on me. And why is it on me? Because I am called a father after the one who is the father of all fatherhoods, Ephesians says. My fatherhood stems from his fatherhood. 
And I want to learn how to be a dad of that quality, that standard, that level. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Hey, that's the family business. That's our purpose. That's what the Father has extended through Jesus Christ and invited us to join in doing, and that is to experience and live out of the reality of the kingdom of heaven because it's already invaded the earth. And then through our lives, individually and together, through our marriages, through our families, reveal to the world around us, manifest the kingdom of heaven. We're part of the family business. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Give us this day. Our Father is our sole provider. Remember, another component. The Father is the God of all providence. I, li I liked what Pastor Tiffany said tonight. When you get to the place where you're facing the giant, God's already gone before you and made a provision. I heard one speaker years ago, he said, when Samson reached down to pick up the jawbone of, a, of, the, of the ass from the ground and strike down I 300 Philistines or something, God had caused a donkey to die on that spot years enough beforehand so it was rotted and there was a jawbone there to pick up. That's providence. That's a God who provides. He doesn't just want to provide. He wants us to have it written in our hearts. He is my father. He will provide for me. Federal government, do what it will. Whatever your circumstance, whatever it is, we are children of a father who provides. It's his nature. It's the nature of a father. And he wants that written down at the core of our being. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. Our continued acceptance and relationship with Father is conditioned upon this humble appeal. We never get beyond coming home saying, Dad, I'm really sorry. This dear woman who gave birth to these children... I didn't treat her right. You know that second son, he just gets me bad sometimes. Father, forgive me. I keep coming back. I keep coming back. I'm just talking to you as this man. But this is the attitude, the posture that we continually walk in and live in with regard to our Father. Forgive us our trespasses. We humbly come. His forgiveness through Christ's sacrifice is assured. It's never a question of whether God will forgive. Jesus took all of the judgment for my wrongdoing on himself. So that bit of it has been taken care of. What's really important is God wants us to be honest enough people with ourselves and others. We own up to when we need to be forgiven. We look in the mirror and we're able to say to ourselves, you know what, you're wrong. And here's where you're wrong. And here's what you got to do to do right. And one of the things the Father requires us to do right is we have to forgive others. Including, 
See, you can see where this goes, including the father that abandoned us or that mistreated us. We've got to, if, if now the father's life, father's nature, everything, I'm, I believe in Jesus, I've been filled with his life. Father says, forgive, you need to be forgiven. Oh, God, thank you for your mercy. But you have to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, I'm not forgiving. See, we think of God's love as unconditional. At this point, apparently it's not. Because Jesus, after this prayer is over, the very first thing he says, you be sure to forgive. So this is how we're conformed. By our seeking forgiveness and our forgiving, something is formed in our nature and in our character. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Father will lead us into his good purposes. We're his children. We're after the family business. He's going to lead us where we can do the most good. In his leading is our safety. Came up with this. I like this. God's direction is our protection. Being where God wants you to be, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how painful it is, no matter how much it seems like you may have gone the wrong way at the junction, you, if you know you were led by God, you're right where you need to be. You're right where you need to be. And regarding the blessing, our Father is going to provide blessing to our souls. And I don't think it's just going to be one ultimate blessing. We're all looking for the well done, good and faithful servant that we're looking to hear at some point when we've gone on and we stand before Christ. And I believe we will receive that. There will be a crown of life, as James talks about. But Jesus' example gives us the assurance that this is a father who knows how to bless us right where we are to affirm us in the secret ways that we need to be affirmed. You are my beloved son, he said. With you I'm well pleased. That's a blessing. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him also, when you heard the word of truth, when in Christ, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of the glory of God. God's gone so far as to say, you know what, child? You're going you're gonna to be blessed and I'm going to extend blessing to you. But the full outworking of that blessing, the full affirmation of that may not be on this side. So I'm going to give you this, my own spirit of life, the Holy Spirit, who's going to keep and seal some things in you and give you a deposit, a down payment, an earnest, it's called, that, will, that you can hold and draw from and live in the light of until that day when the full hand of affirmation and blessing comes upon you. And Jesus is the example of what God can, he knows how to bless somebody. I'm not talking about boats and cars. I'm talking about, I'm talking about knowing that my dad thinks I'm worth something. That's blessing. You can keep the rest. If I know my father thinks I'm fine, is proud of me, 
You with me? You see what I'm saying? Let me conclude. Matthew eleven twenty seven through 29 says this. It's Jesus again, this time in Matthew, not John. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and then I like this, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. <laughs> and then listen to this. One of the great favorites probably for all of us. Anyone the Son chooses to reveal the Father to, and then he says this, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and will find rest for your soul. You will find rest for your souls. I believe that Jesus was saying, I reveal the Father. And when I reveal the Father, that person comes into a yoke that brings them rest. And why does it bring them rest? Because all these elements of what fathers do begin to be inscribed in their hearts, begin to come, go off. They become, they, they come online because the Holy Spirit, Jesus, wants those things to be alive in us. He wants them to be realities that we live by, we come back to, that we are deepened in. So as we close tonight, let's ask, and we're going to pray right now, for fresh revelation of God's fatherhood, especially into those areas in our lives where we need what only our Heavenly Father can give us. It may be that we need our identity reaffirmed. We may be questioning ourselves. Circumstances, rejection, whatever. We wonder if we're really worth the effort. We need provision. Yes, we all need provision at times. But we need to have the stability and the solidity of knowing that we are the children of a provider. I, I grew up, I was fortunate. I grew up with a dad. I never for a moment worried about whether we were going to have food on the table. He was a provider. There was, you just, you just didn't even think about it. That's the kind of father God wants us to have when we talk about him being a provider, that reality in our life. Protection. Formation. We may need to come to grips with where we need to be forgiven or we need to forgive, where we need to be obedient or where we need to submit. But God, our Father, wants to form something in us. Hebrews 12 says that the role of the Father is he disciplines. We may need Father to give us a renewed sense of purpose and he may need to speak blessing to some part of our heart. So let's just, let's just pray and let's just ask, pray together. And wherever you are in all of this, and maybe for many of us it's just a matter of saying, wow, I've never seen the Heavenly Father quite like this. God, would you make this more real in my life? So Lord God, I'm just praying for us together, for all of us. Father, we are so grateful that you sent Jesus, that you sent one who was a pathway maker, 
who set a path for us to, to be able to come back to you, but not only to return to you, but actually to be made children of God, generated by your life working in us. The nature of Jesus Christ, or the, Christ's own nature, now seed sown in the soul, the soil of our own souls, growing up. Father, thank you for that. But I pray that, Lord God, you would make yourself more known to us. Father, where there's a need for identity, maybe it's a, it's a reaffirmation of, of, of meaning in one's life, where there's a sense of needing your provision, not just some dollars in the bank, but an underlying confidence that, God, you are underneath it all and you are the everlasting arms. Needing your protection. Direction to lead us into the protection that you have for us, God. Open that up for formation. Lord, we all need to be further formed. God, we all need to have a clearer sense of your purpose for our lives. And Father, as you see a fit and as you uniquely and sensitively understand Oh God, would you let your blessing come upon the hearts and the lives of each one of these people that know that they are your children. And Lord, I pray for those tonight, if there's anybody here who has never really come to faith in you or to a way that they really believe that your life now has generated something new in them. I pray, Lord, that they would just open themselves up there, open their heart up to you right now and just say, Lord, I need you to be my father. Jesus, forgive me and let me come to know the father you came to reveal. Now, Lord God, thank you. Thank you for this wonderful revelation, Jesus, that you spent your life and expended your life to bring us. God, bring it home. Holy Spirit, come, as was sung earlier, and let this be written large in our hearts. Amen. Amen.